Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's March 5th, 2021, and you're listening to the shortest-running PokerCast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. Hold on. I, well, I got to figure, you know, first of all, when the streak ended, I couldn't say it was running because it wasn't running. It was, That's true. Right? Yeah, so I had yeah. to wait a couple of weeks, and then now I can say, because if we're going to brag that we're the That's longest right. running. Yeah, we are the newest podcast. That's out. right. <laughs> all you hipsters out there and doofuses, let us know what you think of the show. We're brand new. Oh, man, I love it. <laughs> but So I figured if you're going to brag about the longest running, we might as well be humble and say we're we're brand new. We're new to this, so forgive us for any uh, problems that we may uh, create here. I don't know what's going to happen, but uh, we're sorry. Uh, we're new. Give us a chance. Listen for the Hi-fi. ding. As my nephew said, uh, like, comment, and share. <laughs> uh, po- uh, point down the little notification bell down there. And, oh, wait, we're not on uh, not on YouTube. Listen for the elevator ding in the background. <laughs> oh, man, I should have had the bell already for that. Dang it. See, this is what oh, happens when, we, when you skip the pre-production meeting. It's buried. Oh, man. Yeah, no. Sorry. Boy, that sucks. Oh, man. Can't, can't even find the bell. It's still amazing. I still have the bell. As Apollo Creed said to Rocky at the end of their movie, ding, ding. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Oh, man. All right, if you thought the wait to return to live poker was long, imagine if you were one of the final six players in a World Poker Tour event that had been on hold for more than 400 days. The WPT has announced the finals of three pre-COVID main events will finish up March 10th, and then again May 16th through the 18th. The events will be moved from the HyperX Esports Arena Dude, which was owned by WPT's previous owner, to the Poker Go Studios in Las Vegas. Ah, uh, i tell you, that's... Uh... That's a long wait. I, they, and I, I can't remember, did they do like the final nine did where they gave everybody the minimum or something? Did they do that too? Or they, it's a very the, good question. I assume the they nine. did uh, give them, yeah, I assume they did, but I, I don't know for sure. Um, and I also don't remember, well, lots of things I don't remember now because I'm 49 <laughs> in a couple weeks, but uh, 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 I don't remember one that that these hadn't played out. I mean, it makes sense now. You think back to, I mean, it's not like I'm paying attention to them a year ago when the whole world changed. But So that was kind of weird to see. Like, oh, yeah, that's right. Four of them didn't finish. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, exactly. Uh, what, what, uh, whether they paid everybody out the minimum or how long it, it was before they were supposed to finish them up, right? So, I mean, I don't know. If, was it like two months after it f- finished up at Hawaiian Gardens? Uh, and then back, or was it six months? So if it was like two months. There probably wasn't much of an incentive to pay out the minimum. Right. Right? Um, 
but I would imagine at some point during the year, if that wasn't the case, that that probably was made the case, I would think, or if not, that they at least they were escrowing this money and everybody gets a little interest on it. But I don't know. But that's 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 a different kind of full tilt thing, and I, I don't want to suggest full tilt because that was, you know, criminal. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. Uh, this isn't criminal. This was just you know the reality of COVID. But uh, but I could just imagine having you know six seven figure payday locked up. Yeah, and, and, and not yeah, knowing what exactly and eight figures, eight figures. I'm sorry, six figures too. I mean, uh, someone's going to win, you know, over a hundred grand, two hundred grand, or whatever in these. So and more. Yeah, um, and you think back to April and we keep joking about how oh, it's only going to be two weeks, right? And I mean, for yeah. us, it was just you know. Being able to publish a magazine, which still has <laughs> right. these folks, uh, that's, some, that's some serious cheddar that uh, it's been uh, locked up. You know, regardless of whether they were already paid the minimum or not, there's still a lot of money on top, right? So, well, at least this is a feel-good story. It's not like a lot of the local, uh, you know, smaller tours that didn't have the money to pay you off at the end. Yes, in, yes, in Chicago, <clears throat> and uh, <laughs> you know, or or just took the money and didn't do anything about it. South Florida. <clears throat> um, so at least these guys kept the money, did what they're supposed to do, and they're going to finish it up. Yeah. So good yeah. luck to those players. And, uh, I mean, wow. I mean, remember back when the first time they moved the November 9 to, like, November? November 9. We all, everybody was arguing about, oh, my God, blah, blah, blah. They got all this time to prepare for your opponents, and it's going to change everything. I mean, man. I, I, 400 days, and I think that's the longest one. Not all these were 400 days, but. There's a lot that could change in your career in 400 days, uh, particularly when you go through COVID and all this, right? I mean, there's probably some players that have played a crap ton more because, you know, they've been locked inside and haven't anything to do and are better. And other ones that probably decided, hey, I poker's not the biggest thing in my world anymore, right? So it's going to be really interesting. I mean, I, I again, I don't never normally watch these uh, final tables anymore, but uh, I might have to poke my head in uh, a couple of these and um, – and to see what the uh, commentators are saying about the players and what they've been doing in the very, very long off season. Yeah, and the other thing about it too is it was a very real possibility that someone could have died during this. Oh yeah, during Absolutely. this period, right? I mean, especially with COVID. And so, what would have happened then? They just would have gotten the minimum, and everyone moves up a pay spot just yeah, like that. And their chips get absorbed. You do. Yeah, yeah that would suck. You no, know, it's like guy playing risk. Come on, it's like the family should have like appointed like someone who could play for that person for them and try to win more money for the family or like something. Power of attorney player. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, again, though, it's like everything else. Though, like you never thought it was going to be this long, and then That's you wake true. up someday and it's October. I'm like, man, this is still going on. Unprecedented, you know, it's yeah. just unprecedented. All right. Well, looking forward to seeing those results. All right, we'll talk again about uh, televised poker. If you caught ESPN uh, 2's broadcast of the final tables of last year's World Series Poker main event last week, you obviously noticed Norman Chad wasn't on the air. Uh, with his longtime broadcast partner, Law McAaron, Chad was still suffering from the effects of COVID-19 and was replaced by poker pro Jamie Kerstender. You know, um, I wanted to break down the pronunciation of Law McAaron. <laughs> but I don't know if this is the right time to do it. I, you know, I, We could say, you know, we hope Norman's doing better and... And uh, I'm sure Jamie was was more than uh, you know proficient in, in filling in yeah, and everything. Yeah. But I don't know if she's as funny. But um, McCarran, I, I just don't get it. You know, there are a lot of names like that, but it's spelled McEachern, E A C H E R N. Even at the end, we say McCarran. It's like there's no, there's nothing between the R and the N. How does Lon justify this pronunciation? 
Well, I mean, here's a little known fact. Uh, it used to be M-C-K-A-R-E-N. Okay. But then everybody started making fun of Karen's at restaurants. <laughs> so he was forced to change the spelling of the name so he wouldn't be caught up in that. So, yeah, little known fact. Oh, man. First so time the only time. So yeah. apparently this was uh, – there were Karens back in the old days <laughs> that they prepared for and then knew someday it would be a meme and – it's just weird, isn't it? It's a weird pronunciation of his uh, name. Here, here's a tough thing for me is like there are a couple names. That you, you all know, listen to the show, that I garble every pronunciation, right? Right. But I don't know why I care so much about spelling it correctly on the show notes because no no one sees it except for me and you. you. Yeah, sorry. And, uh, but uh, there's always names that trip me up. It took me a long time to get Negranu right on the first try, right? Yeah. I still have – I cannot get McCarran right on the first try. I have to keep going back and forth with the – the article I'm reading, and, all right, M-C-E, oh, yeah, that's right, E-A, all right, got it, got it, got it, got it. So here's another little known fact. He tried to be a rapper known as M.C. Echern. It didn't work out. <laughs> it didn't work out. So then he got back into broadcasting. I mean, he had the voice for it, you know. See, we had the jokes that Norman didn't wasn't able to bring. <laughs> that's so. right. They should have put us on the show. And no offense to Jamie, he was fantastic, I'm sure, but uh, should have had some tryouts. Yeah, put us on the show. Man. Sound like we had much going on here. <laughs> All right, World Series of Poker Bracelet winner Brent Carter has been charged after allegedly sending a powder to the headquarters of the New York State Gaming Commission. The powder was determined to be harmless. And apparently is the latest escalation in a long-time feud Carter has had with the commission after temporarily stripped him of his harness racing license. Wait for it. Wait for it. 45 years ago, Chris. Oh, you got to be kidding Talk me. about holding the grudge. Uh, Carter has pleaded not guilty and faces five years in prison if convicted. Okay, so we have to assume that he's not guilty until he's proved guilty. But, uh, wow. <laughs> 45 years ago, it was only a temporary thing. And if he did do this, he's still holding that grudge. That's remarkable. I, I will say this. Before the show started, you were asking me about the, the campaign, which is getting really ugly here. And, uh, uh, you know, and these are just like beefs that have been going on for five or six years. <laughs> I can't imagine. Yes. 45 years from now that I am still so incensed at anyone for anything that I am sending talcum powder <laughs> in the mail <laughs> to annoy them, right? I mean, is anybody still at the New York State Gaming Commission that worked there 45 years no, ago? No, they're all younger than 45. <laughs> they're not even born when this happened. I mean, let's see. Let's say you got a job there as a clerk or something, an intern at age 18, right? So yeah. you'd be 63 years old right now. So it's probably possible. <laughs> possible. But I'm reasonably sure that 18-year-old intern had nothing to do with your case, bro. Oh, man. And, uh, and they are just, like, hanging on for the next two years until they can retire. So what is going on here? It's just insane. You know, I, and I I had one of those obvious brags on my reaction yeah, on that's, our... That's a good brag, yeah. Well, the thing was, though, is that I was staying at the end afterward. I was like, maybe I'm glad I didn't win that ring because if he had yes. beaten him for the ring, he might still be sending me Potter in the mail. Absolutely. You should have sucked out with that seven and Raz when I had an eight, made eight, and you had a king showing, you bastard. You know, I mean, I don't know. It's That's insane. I mean, he must have just been in some, if he did it, you know, he must have just been in some drunken stupor, which is like, I remember 45 years ago, you screw with my livelihood, so here you go. Yeah, I really probably should share this article on my campaign page just to show folks, yeah, you... <laughs> No, don't give him any ideas, Scott. You think you're trolling, man. Don't give him any ideas. 
you've got a long ways to go to be a real troll. <laughs> the, the long household is short on uh, talcum powder, so let me put out this so they'll send me a bunch in an envelope. Oh, my God. Sad. So, oh, man. I mean, funny and sad and whatever. I mean, it was harmless and no one got hurt. I'm sure some people were spooked by it. Um, definitely some people that still work there are annoyed because – and I would be super annoying, one, just because you got this person just terrorizing you for no reason – uh, but two, that you weren't there. You had nothing to do with this. I know. But that, I mean, that that has, you know, it, it, there's no time frame to when people aren't, like, people are innocent of all this stuff, you know. People bomb a building, you know. Those people didn't, those people didn't make the government the evilness that you portray it as, but you're bombing them anyway, you know. So, it's the same thing. Those people had nothing to do with this guy, but he's still trying to scare everybody in that office. It's ridiculous. Yeah, he's yeah. not even from New York. How did that even happen? He's like from Chicago area or something. Uh, even, I, I, I don't know. know. Anyway, yeah, right. that's enough about I don't that. want to dig too much into this because I don't want to get powder in my own house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to deal with this guy anymore. He <laughs> took my ring. I don't want that to end there. Oh, man. All right, and billionaire gaming enthusiast Calvin Air is shutting down his popular CalvinAir.com website. That became one of the go-to sites for news and opinion on the gambling industry. Air's interest have switched from gaming now to cryptocurrency. That's interesting. Um, I mean, is he gonna he's gonna shut down that? But is he gonna open a cryptocurrency version or something? I think he's already been doing some cryptocurrency oh, okay. as well okay. too. So, uh, but you know, he had a staff at the the CalvinAir.com. So, I mean, they're all gonna be looking for new work. Maybe they know cryptocurrency and could switch over there. But I, I never really got that whole. I mean, he was sort of like the, the high life kind of guy, right? He was kind of like this rich dude and. Right. I mean, yeah, well, he, he claimed to um, start it because he thought that the websites that were out then uh, were too soft on uh, the established gaming companies out there. Uh, quite honestly, that was an argument that we got from folks as well, too. And uh, we did not apologize for it. No. We know where our bread was buttered when we used to get buttered bread. Remember those days? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I remember having some, con- uh, uh, conversations with some folks, including like one of our ambassadors who worked for us for a while and then, then left. He might have been a communist and an ambassador, but anyhow. And he kept saying, we really need an independent voice where we could just write whatever we want about what's going on in the poker world. And I don't disagree with him. You know, if you have like a, uh, bad beat jackpot that didn't get paid out right or a tournament that got messed up somehow, um, that's just not us, right? And that's just not anyone, really. Um, but I'm like, I keep telling those folks, I'm like, all right, who's going to pay for that? Yeah. <laughs> Good luck trying to get somebody to advertise on that when you, when they know you're going to like skewer them when they make a mistake. Um, uh, so that's, that's the problem. And that's why you've never seen it anymore. So obviously Cal from being a billionaire, probably when he started this whole thing. So he was able to be as honest as he wanted. Um, well, we and- never, we never, uh, presented ourselves as the New York Times of poker news. Exactly. You know, what I mean, we we were out there because we were just promoting the actual industry and letting you know what's going on in your poker room. If if it was like a okay, we're going to be able to rely on things that aren't poker related for our revenue and ads, then yeah, we would have said okay, here here's uh, the problem with poker room A and you know whatever. But you know, but you can't do that when you're we're doing sort of like the the market shopper flyer type of poker. You know, what I mean, we're just yes. trying to tell you all the good stuff that's going on out there. 
you know, we're not there to be the hard news. You know, somebody like Poker News can do that because they're so big now and they're worldwide. Yeah, I don't know. They can really do it, but they, they get into more controversial stuff than we do. But you know, yeah, they definitely get into controversial stuff, but not as probably as hard journalism as. Still like, depend on a lot of advertising from brick and mortar rooms, right. and certainly from online rooms as well, too. So right. you know, but yeah, it's it's difficult. I mean, so you know, I give him uh, props for you know being able to be above that because of his personal financial stake. Um, that being said, I don't remember some really game-changing breaking news coming out of Calvin Air. There was always some interesting articles from time to time that we shared on the show, but, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it didn't seem like it was the place to go in. There's an axe to grind, and you want to see somebody talking about the axe to grind, right? Yeah. It's not like two plus two form. Right. <laughs> that, right. Yeah, and try telling Calvin that, you know what, if you wrote your honest opinion and you would lose your billions, you know, yeah. what would happen? He wouldn't write his honest opinion. Yes, very so, true. you know, but um, did he did he have something to do with Bodog too? Yeah, I thought he was the creator of it, but I, I don't want to throw that out there because it's been a long time. But uh, he certainly was involved with Bodog in some way. So, and what, it used to be called something else. What was it called? Uh, well, it didn't became Bovada. Bo- Bovada, yeah, that's what. Yeah, all right, I remember. Yeah. Okay, so see, we're not too far removed from all this. It's just you know, we just don't care. We're, we're about not forty five <laughs> years losing our harness racing license. <laughs> Oh, you're killing me. <laughs> you made me think of that Tommy Boy scene. I don't, I don't know if you like watch Tommy Boy every day like I do. But the poor old lady making fun of her husband for visiting a brothel one time in the war. <laughs> now, here's the one best part. The war. Here's the best part of our relationship. <laughs> I've been in a living Scott still refers to that movie as if I've seen it. <laughs> we know, we've known each other almost what twenty years now, and it's like Scott's like uh, you know that Tommy it's a Tommy Boy scene, you know he drives like this and he does it with the steering wheel, and then the, the the fat kid in the big coat or whatever it is, and I'm like I have no idea what you're talking about, but you keep quoting this movie and it's just so adorable. Such a shame, such a shame. <laughs> that is a cinematic cinematic classic. And, uh, wow. I mean, now it's to the point where I can't even watch it now because I don't want to ruin this part of our relationship. <laughs> Once I get your joke, it's not funny anymore. <laughs> <laughs> even Laura gets a couple Tommy Boy jokes now. So I mean, I get the driving one because I think you made me watch it on YouTube once we were stuck in a poker room waiting for a table or something. And you're like, you don't know the driving scene? I'm like, what are you talking about? The way he drives, you know? And I'm like, no. And then you're like, he goes, and you'd show me in the car all the time when we were traveling the state or the country trying to talk to these poker managers. And then I'm like, so you finally, I think you showed it to me. And I'm like, I saw it. But I didn't see the movie, so I refused to watch it. Oh, man, it's such a tragedy. Such a tragedy. <laughs> All right, here's this week's update on casinos and poker room reopenings. And if we were CNN, we'd be like, bum, 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 bum. Breaking news. Key race alert is what we would say, right? <laughs> In Connecticut, Foxwoods Resort Casino has reopened its poker room. Actually, technically, not. it opens on the – well, yeah, I guess it probably did open by the time most of you listened to it. So Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's a big one. We've been waiting for that one, so – uh, so now, not accounting for the recent temporary closings, we now have 220 reopened poker rooms in the United States. And remember to go to antiupmagazine.com slash reopen, where we have verified details on casino poker room reopenings. And if you have updates, email us at the now working editor at antiupmagazine.com. <laughs> and, and we did get some updates from you, so thank yeah, you. Thank you. And uh, we are also emailing a weekly e-blast with updates that you can subscribe to on the homepage at antiupmagazine.com, which is cute to go out in 33 minutes. <laughs> Any updates? Papes, the Antiup free, uh, fans' free online tournament series on PokerStars Play Money site is available anywhere and everywhere. 
details on how to join can be found at bit.ly slash P-A-I-P-S. Games run a 6th, 16th, and 26th every month. Rotate disciplined with a main tournament followed by a second chance event. PokerStars lets you claim 15,000 free chips every four hours. Join the Annie Up Fans group Facebook page and post within the group to get feedback on hands, ask, call the floor questions, or just discuss anything poker. Check out our 11 vintage Annie Up logo designs on merchandise at AnnieUpMagazine.com slash shop. Buy t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, phone and laptop cases, coffee and drink mugs, and more with your choice of Annie Up Magazine, Annie Up PokerCast, or any up Pokator logos. Get them while you still can. Uh, if you have a hand of the week, listener spotlight, or call the floor submission, email us at podcastantiupmagazine.com or post in the Annie Up Fans group on Facebook. We're going to complete O'Malley's move today, which is always exciting. Uh, here comes the first part. We'll see you on the other side. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's Move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we are playing $1, $2, No Limit Hold'em at our favorite casino cash game. The next three episodes will all involve the same opponent in a single session. The game is eight-handed. The blinds post, and it's folded to the hijack who starts the hand with $150. This opponent bought in for the table minimum of $40 and tripled up after flopping a set of sixes on an ace-six-tray-ten-four board. His opponents had ace-king and pocket threes. He's since won two other pots without showing his hand. He's pretty loose and pretty splashy. He makes it $6 to go. We're in the cutoff with our starting stack of 200 and the ace of diamonds, king of spades. We're going to raise it up here. We make it $20 to go. It's folded back around to the hijack who makes the call, and we're going to the flop. The pot is around $40, and the flop is the king of clubs, seven of spades, tray of hearts. Before we can really even process this flop, our opponent shoves for his remaining $130. So, it's $130 of our $180 stack to win $170. What's the move? Well, top, top for a stack is normally a scary spot to be in, but I'm calling here almost every time. I suppose he could be doing some reverse psychology and overshoving with a set to get us the call, uh, but I'm not going to let myself be scared by that. Well, I'm probably calling, though we'd be playing right into the game plan of a player like this. You know, while we were informed that he was a splashy player, does shoving without the goods fit into that profile? While these guys usually play loose, uh, they do so in the early parts of a hand when it doesn't cost that much. I'll call, but I'm reserving the right to say I told you so. Well, that's no fair. We can always. I'm <laughs> going to use that. It's like disclaimer language, and I'm going to put that in everything. Well, I'm still, I'm still losing my stack if he loses, but I'm just going to say, ah, told you so. I could say, uh I knew I was going to lose. So, <laughs> all right, here comes part two. Hello again. What draws are there? None. In fact, we are at the very top of our range here, and our opponent could really have almost anything. The fact that he fearlessly shoved this flop should have given me more pause, but I snap-called. Our opponent rolls over a set of sevens, and we have to add on. Perhaps this opponent can read my soul and knew I had ace-king. Until next time, I'm Malcolm O'Malley saying, sometimes you're just bound to go broke in a hand. Was I bound to that here? I hope to see you on the felt. Okay, so he was doing some reverse psychology. (laughs) 
Uh, quite honestly, it's a move that I like to make from time to time, too. So, mad respect to him, but uh, at the same time, uh, it doesn't always work. I told you so. <laughs> you should have just said, asterisk. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it is. It is it, when stuff like that happens, and you're just like, oh, I finally got him. And then the one time you think he got him, he's got the set. You know, it, it happens so much. And you always remember it because, you, as they say in rounders, you know, you, you hardly remember the big pots you won, but you can remember with distinct detail or whatever that the names you lost. And that it sucks because you think you've got this guy and then boom, you know, you're out of stack because he pops a set and, you know, makes you think one other thing. So he was a genius. You know, that's just the way it goes. Yeah, so here's the thing that I've been thinking about since uh, I heard the result and realized that uh, I was right on the reverse psychology and you were right on the yeah, I told you so. Um, was this the right spot to do it? And obviously it worked for him. So, I mean, because there were no draws there. So I guess that would be the case to be made that this is the right spot to do it because if we're sitting here with the hand we had, right? Mm-hmm. And we're looking at that board. We're like, really? The only thing that's beating me is a set. You know, a set's not going to overshove, right? So I'm going to call. Versus, if there were draw, real draws out there that someone might be worried about, at that point, it gives you more credence to a set that's or two pair that's vulnerable, right? Yeah. So you know, maybe that maybe that's what I missed here. Maybe I should have thought that instead of getting lured in by there's nothing out there that really beats me but a set, to thinking, hey, this is the perfect time to overshove with. A super strong hand. Yeah, I just I don't think you convince yourself there at that table in that moment with that player. I think you sit there and you're like, I just only one thing beats me other than aces and a set, and this guy doesn't have aces. He just doesn't. And it was the stack too that helps too. I mean, it wasn't that that. I mean, it was for our stack, but um, uh, it wasn't a lot. It wasn't a lot, a ton of money there for that to uh, you know make that really a bad mistake because again, probably fifty fifty on whether that was was a mistake or not, right? Yeah. Yeah, I would, I would, yeah. Between, so. yeah, I would say even more than that. I would say we were uh, in in ten out of ten hands against that guy in that situation played that way. We're probably ahead in eight or nine of them. Yeah, probably. You right, know, and yeah. just the one time or two times that we weren't, we lose our stack. But I don't know. I just uh, I can't believe. You. I mean, I can't. I can believe you had a set because I told you so. But I can't believe you had a set. You know, it's just that one time that you get involved, get top top on a dry board, and he just happens to pop the set on you and go crazy with it. It's just and, and get you to call, yeah, yeah. right. A lot of a lot planets of are aligning like there for you to, you know, do national treasure Nicholas Cage stuff. I don't know. What that I haven't seen about. that. I haven't seen that. Oh, you haven't. All right, I'll, you watched that. I watched I mean, Tommy Boy. I haven't seen it today. I mean, I, no, I know. I've seen I it. can't I've seen stand that movie. movie. I, the first one was just like, oh, I even come watched on. Watched the second one a couple times, as bad as that one was. I never watched. I never first watched the second one. Oh man, first one better. Yeah. We, we should have a movie podcast. <laughs> I've actually talked with some friends here about doing it. We just never have. So maybe, maybe, maybe that's our next thing. Yeah. Instead of Siskel and Eber, it'd be Casenza and Long. Yeah, we always thought about doing a uh, Mystery Science Theater but podcast, so you can't see our little heads there with the little yeah, aliens. Yeah, yeah. Break it down, but but. And yeah, that'd be perfect because on that show they always talk about Rush, so I'd be that person. <laughs> yeah, I'd be perfect for that. <laughs> oh man! All right, sign with the advanced poker hand of the week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at antiupmagazine.com. If you want something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. And they do train for Omaha on that site, Chris, which is yes, great. Yes, they do. Because our hand of the week is from Matt Haywood, and it is Omaha High. Cool. 
he said, uh, I, I played this Pearl of an Omaha hand recently. I love using Pearl as a <laughs> in, a, in casual conversation. That's fun. Uh, the fact that it's an Omaha high and uh, my hand contains a variant of Chris's favorite Ace 10, and he used the, uh, because he's from Australia, the F A V O U R I T spelling, uh. Uh, would make him laugh. So, all right. You laugh now, Chris, because <laughs> Ace 10 and Omaha high are colliding here, as well as the British version of. <laughs> well. Do I have all to right. use an accent now when I comment? Uh, hey, you can't do an Australian accent. No one, no one can perfect that. It's funny how like all the Australians can make great American accents, but yeah, anybody that try any American that tries to do an Australian, it looks really hacky. Crikey! Why not a shrimp on the barbie? <laughs> Crikey! Doesn't work. It sounds crazy. All right, uh, we're playing uh, nickel dime PLO online, and uh, we are in the middle position uh, slash under the gun plus one with nine dollars and forty three cents, and it is six handed. The other gun has $6.38 and races to $0.15. Cents. Uh, he says they've been playing neither tight nor loose, but reasonably aggressive. And it is on us with the Ace of Diamonds, Ten of Spades, Ten of Clubs, Nine of Clubs. Hmm. Well, I don't have any nut draws, so unless it's straight flush stuff. Um, well, tens, that's your only nut draw. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean... I guess straight flush. Yeah, you're right. You straight flush draw. I I don't know. I guess um, I don't know. I don't think I. I mean, I'm not really keen on this hand too much. I mean, it depends on the rest of the table too. We're shorthanded. Yeah, think, yeah, I think you're right. We don't have a lot of stuff working together here. You got the the suited nine ten, but that's a little perilous. If it was jack ten, it would be a different story, right? Right. Um, you got the pair of tens, but you know, again, that would be better if it's pair of aces. And then uh, you got this naked ace that's really not going to do much for you. I mean, I you know, again, I guess you could flop Broadway or something, but Broadway's always so dangerous in Omaha. Right, so yep. all kinds of things could happen, you know, unless that Broadway is clubbed somehow. But um, yeah, this this is a tough spot. This is one of those. Uh, with, this is like an Anna Kornikova hand, right? Looks good, but never wins. Win. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I think a lot of people will be tempted to play this, but uh, but I think uh, you should be tempted to least consider folding. Um, certainly not going to raise here with it. I don't think. Although, I guess if I wanted to. If I'm going to play a substandard hand, you want to get heads up. So, I mean, if we reasonably thought the other gun player wasn't going to re-raise us, um, get heads up with him, and then then we have a better chance of winning the hand, though not so much money. But he's been described as reasonably aggressive, so what makes us think that he's not going to repop us, right? Yeah. And this is what uh, gets back to what we used to talk about in the show when we had a lot more hands. But we would always say that if they're playing nickel-dime, you have to treat it like it's five dollar, ten dollar in your right. mind at least, so that you play properly. Right. You know, there's always because oh, it's only fifteen cents. There's this, you know, okay, inclination to say, well, it's you know, it's not even a quarter. Of, I can afford this. Let me just call and see some miracle hand where I can stack some somebody for six dollars or nine dollars or something. And then it's like, well, then you end up losing all your money, and you wonder where it went. And you're like, I only played for nickel dime, but so if I were playing five dollar, ten dollar PLO with some giants of the industry. <laughs> I'd be folding ace ten ten nine. Yes. So I probably would fold this hand if I'm being honest. We're gonna have to move forward with the hand if I'm going to play it. I think Scott's interesting with his idea of raising. If I had a feel for the other four players that they'd be the type that would lay it down or re re raise us 
with a bigger hand, then I would have at least some definition of what I think they have. But if it looks like I could just get away with a call and be heads up at the end of the gun, I would do that. So I, there are a lot of ifs to this. It's a very difficult hand to analyze. When it yeah, comes to I would that. say if we felt fairly confident the players behind us were all going to call, then it becomes a um, a poll hand, right? We want to yeah. pull the folks in and hope that not that we're excited about our tens, but maybe our straight possibilities or that that uh, lottery ticket straight flush might come in. Um, and But if we're worried that most of those players are going to fold behind us, then at that point I definitely think we need to raise and, and make sure they're all going to fold and, and get heads up. So. Yeah, yeah. All right, our hero limps. He says we could easily justify raising, but I think it's just uh, tens with some playability with the right flop, and we're also reasonably deep, 188 big blinds and 64 times the raise. Uh, cut off in the button fold, small blind and big blind, who started with $5.44 call. And the flop is the eight of diamonds, seven of diamonds, six of hearts, with $60 in the pot. $60? 60, I'm sorry, 60 cents. Sorry, oh, yeah. that, you told me to play. I know. <laughs> well. Uh, 60 cents in the pot, uh, small blind checks, the big blind bets 44 cents, and the under the gun bets pot $1.89. And now it's on us. This reminds me of when Annie Duke wrote that book. I'm not sure what a book or a chapter. I think it was her book. I don't know. But she said something like, you know, she's been known to fold the nut straight in Omaha. You have no backup. After the flop, you have no backup. So in this case, we have zero backup because the only thing that's coming in is diamonds. And we don't have, we have the ace of diamonds. So we could try later maybe to represent it. But, you know, that's a big if. Um we have the nut straight, but people out there could have sets. People out there could have two pair, and people out there could have the same straight and redrawing to diamonds, right. or redrawing to a boat or quads. So, I I just don't know. I I mean, it's up to you. you, you if you say, you know what, I'm comfortable in losing this nine. Well, I guess we have everybody covered. So, if we're comfortable losing like six bucks, uh, I would just repop it and get it all. Try to get it all in and see what I'm up against, and hope it goes blank, blank. But this is one of those cases where you're just like, Ugh, I have the nuts and I have to fold. You know, I mean, you think about it, but I don't know. I, 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 I don't think I've ever actually done it myself. I think I'm too, you know, loose with that. I, I, I probably have never folded the nut straight on this, but it's definitely a consideration. I guess if I'm going to play it, I might as well just pop it, get everybody in, make them think we have the nuts with the redraw because we have the ace of diamonds. Uh, maybe we'll get somebody to fold with a, draw or something i don't know but this is tough it's tough to give uh advice on this yeah and i think you're right the the stack size gives us an extra um uh option here because if these folks are not as strong as they appear um now we're putting them a test for their entire stack um but but it's really, it's really, really hard for me to imagine a, a donk bet from a big blind, and then a repot from the original razor that no one's sitting there with nine ten like we have. So at best we're splitting, and I think um, uh, you don't get as excited with that unless you have the redraws as you mentioned. So uh, really, one of these players, I, I reasonably bet my sixty cents here <laughs> that. Has ten nine uh, as well as a diamond redraw, um, and the other one probably has something that also is improvable 
and that's a tough spot to be in right now. And uh, so I don't think even a pot size bet from us is going to get them off the hands. So at that point, we we have to fade two more cards. And remember, it's not just two more cards; it's the turn of the river, but all kinds of combinations in these in both players' hands yeah. as well. Um, and we might be trying to fade those already splitting the pot or a third of the pot. So yeah. that's what's difficult. Um, I do believe uh, I can't pinpoint the time, but I do believe I have folded the nuts straight in Omaha because of this kind of situation when I had absolutely nothing behind it. It's really hard to do, but I'll tell you this: I, I'm going to guess that we're going to lose our hand here, and uh, this is and that's what needs to happen for me. This is like the touching the stove on Omaha. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Until you do it once and you realize, oh man, that really sucks. You, you, you're just not going to listen to anybody that says, "What? I'm not going to fold the nuts. You're crazy." Until you realize that uh, when these hands are turned over, that you probably may be a, a dog right now, even with the nuts yep. right now. So, yep. Yep. Um, so you know, hey, Matt's played this game a long time, so I, I, I'm sure he's been in the situation before. So that I don't think this is his touching the stove moment, but uh, it, it's going to sting again. I promise you. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, it's possible that the, there's two players left or three with us. Two? Uh, three. Two. Well, no, three with small blind check, so he's still in the... So yeah. it's possible that two of the players have 10-9. It's possible that within those hands, there is a 7-7, seven, seven, a 6-6. Six, six. There is the King of Diamonds and the Jack of Diamonds, the Queen of Diamonds, and the Nine of Diamonds. So there are people who are drawing the diamonds. There are people who could be drawing to boats. There are people who could be drawing who already have the straight and are free rolling on you. At least two players, you know. And then there's so I mean that when Scott said there's two cards to come, and then there's their the other cards. That's that. I mean that's a ton of combinations that you're fading. It's not just two. Now that was the thing. If we knew we can get heads up with someone, then you're you know you're obviously your odds increase. But then yeah, it's a little more likely you could fade it. Right? Yeah, absolutely. But, but with three players left to go. And you have just the straight, you know. I I would seriously consider folding this. Yeah, and I really don't think you can get a heads up here. I mean, we don't know what the small blind has. I mean, the small blind could have been could have been with ten nine and, and was hoping somebody else would bet it. Doubtful. I mean, they're probably out of the way. But the big blind bet three fourths of the pot. He, he's not going anywhere. And then the other gun, who was original raiser, raised. I don't think there's any bet that's going to get him out. So at best, I think we're going to end up three-handed here, and that's going to be a lot of cards to fade. This uh, is a great lesson hand. Like, if we were yeah, going to go out and start teaching Omaha again, this is the hand that I would take with me. Absolutely. Yep. All right. Our hero says, well, this sucks. We have a made nut straight, <laughs> but no real other current backdoor draws. What's the move? I min-raised to 334. Just I didn't like the play, but I felt a call was by far the worst play as it would price a number of draws in. The hand could... Uh, still be easily reopened. So either it was raise or fold. The fact that I had two tens meant I blocked a number of made straights and would have also helped block draws like the Jack Nine from hitting a better straight. All right, fair point there. But um, he was, I was super worried about someone either having a flush draw or a set to go with a ten high straight, as you should have been. I decided that it was uh, the end of the guy who raised pre-flop that would just be as likely to have a set with a flush draw than a ten straight with a set slash flush draw. So raise might help. Isolate. Uh, okay, some good thoughts there, but the min raise is not the way to go. At that point, you need to pot it and make these folks put a decision for their stack. If you think uh, that they're as light as you're hoping they are, right? Yeah, uh, I'm going to alter a phrase a little bit and say this is when you poop or get off the pot. 
<laughs> or you know, it's, get out of the pot is what I should be saying, I guess. Because um, I mean, you're. I, it's funny when we always say people say uh, give advice in poker or whatever, and nine times out of ten we always say it depends, yep. or this is why the game is so difficult to master because this is it right here. I never even would have imagined someone min raising here, and he did it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would think to myself, why would, I don't think the min raise is effective at all here. And I didn't even think of that as an option. I thought of really raising to try to get at least against one person. Or I thought not doing anything at all and getting out. And even calling, I thought might be, if you had an inkling that the person behind you might just call two, then you get the next street, then you shove, and they only have one card to come, they might be more inclined to fold if you're clean. But I would never think of min raising. So that's interesting. Um, I would not do it. And I think Scott's right. I think you need to shove or fold. Well, here's the thing. I mean, what are you going to do with this hand now? I mean, you're, 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 are you ever going to fold this hand now? You're not, no. right? So at this point, um, again, you have that nut straight. So in Hold'em, you you would want to pull people in this pot, right? In Omaha, though, again, as we mentioned, we might be a dog right now. So really the goal in raising is to push people out of this pot. Um, uh but so the min raise really is the the least option I could see here. I mean, I agree with him that a call is, is super weak, but I think the min raise, quite honestly, is probably weaker because you've thrown more money in the pot for with, with, with no effect. It, it's going to yeah. have no effect on his hand, right? Yeah, right. I mean, you're almost better off calling at that point. So, all right, let's see what happens. Uh, our hero says it doesn't work. The small blind folds. The big blind jams. And the other gun rejams. Hey, who called that? Uh, <laughs> says, I have two dollars and eighty nine cents with a pot of fourteen fifty five. What's the move? All right, I'm going to jump in right here and say, save that two eighty nine. <laughs> you are, you are, you are dead here. I mean, again, you have the nuts right now, but you're going to have to fade all kinds of raindrops here. I think I think hosts raindrops. hosts from other podcasts are calling in to tell you to save that money. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I, I would fold. And so again, so this goes back to what I said. What, what are you going to do? Are you going to fold? I mean, obviously we're telling him to fold now, but that min raise was, I mean, again, it doesn't sound like a lot. It was, uh, what, another dollar something, a little bit more than that, dollar uh, fifty. Um, but when we're only sitting with eight, nine dollars, that adds up, right? Yeah. So in terms of a percentage of our stack, that was a pretty big amount of money to really just donate to somebody else in his hands. So I guess the good part here is if he does fold, the fact that he didn't shove and probably loses his hand means he saved that more money than we that did. money. Yep. He saved yep. some money. So Yep. But yeah, I would have folded so that we would have shoved. We also made a good right. argument uh, to fold. Yes, exactly. Right. So. All right. Uh here's his boy, oh boy does this suck. I'm basically getting five to one to call. I hate throwing good money in after bad as well as leaving money on the table. So I call. Oof. All right. Hoping for the best here, man. Yeah. Uh, the big blind has king of clubs, ten of diamonds, nine of diamonds, tray of diamonds for the nut straight and the second nut flush draw. Undergun has jack of spades, ten of hearts, nine of hearts, four of clubs for the nut straight with a backdoor flush potential with the hearts. Yeah, this doesn't look good for us. No, and he has the actual straight flush draw, the first guy. He's got seven, yeah. eight, nine, ten of diamonds right now. That's the nuts. So the other gun could hit the jack high straight, but all tens are accounted for as well as three of the nine. So the jack high is a one outer. I feel I felt in hindsight it should have been an easy fold. I ran the numbers after, and we are a a fifty three percent chance of splitting. I have one percent chance of winning. Tens full. 
with the big blind at 35% and the under gun at 11%. So, yeah, that math all kind of made out uh, when I when we were talking about beforehand, right? He can never make tens. He can never make tens full. He has two of the tens, and both guys have a ten, according to what you read off to me. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, all the tens are out. Yeah, so yeah, you have no way of winning now, right? No, yeah. there's no way to win in that. I mean, he can win, but or he can't win outright. I don't think. Yeah, he can split, but yeah, which was he can't get the nine. He can't go huh. nine nine either because there's two nines out. Yeah, yeah. So, hmm, no he, chance of winning. No yeah, chance of winning. Uh, the hand goes runner, runner, ace, eight of hearts, ace of hearts to give the end of the gun the pot with the backdoor flush. Uh, he says, is this, a, is this a time when you just have to back yourself? Uh, I would just make sure that you listen to this show a couple more times and know that you can fold the nut straight in Omaha high when you have no redraw. I mean, that's, think about that's it this way. Yeah. Think about this way. It's like when, uh, when you have pocket Kings and you and hold them right. And you raise preflop. And then an ace comes on the flop, and somebody donk bets, and then raises. You know, the early kings. on in your career, you're still gonna shove there because you think your kings are somehow still good, right? And yeah. then to be shocked when both players turn over an ace. Yeah. Um, as you get used to that, you start realizing it sucks. It really does suck to have to throw kings away, but the action is just giving you all the signals you need to let you know that you cannot win this hand, or you're going to be really lucky to win this hand. And while it's hard to lay it down, it's the right thing to do. This is this is the Omaha version of that. Yeah, yeah. Very uh, educational hand. It's one of the better hands we've had because it's it's one of those hands where it just it makes you a mature player, you know, knowing that this hand should have been folded. And then, uh, so here's the thing, too. Uh, you know, uh, one of the things that's really tough with poker is when you do make a fold like this and then you end up seeing the hands, right? So maybe they're all in at some point or they both have the table at the end. And you realize that everybody was making moves with two pair, and you you threw away a set, right? You yeah, yeah. Set. And then, uh, but when you see what you're really up against in this kind of hand, I mean, there's a tremendous amount of relief on your hand and uh, your mind that you still have this stack in front of you because you were able to make the the educated decision to throw it away based on the information that you got. So, so it's not always a bad thing to uh, to fold. And, and- uh, and that's why poker, to bring Annie Duke back into the equation, that's why poker is not chance and gambling. It's actually skill. You know, she used to say in poker when she was in front of the whole committee in Congress or whatever, you know, in poker you can fold. That's right there gives it skill. Whereas, you know, uh, any of the other games that are in the casino, basically you're, you're just letting the wheel spin or whatever, the ball land in places that, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. Here, a solid education in this game would have saved you a ton of money, you know, and that's why it's skill, and that's just something to take forward when you move forward with when you're playing. I, I definitely would have folded that hand after the flop. Yeah, I will say I'm a little surprised that everybody had the same straight, but uh, yeah. uh, but even if only one had the straight, you were still going to have some problems there. So Yeah, you would have won a third of that pot if it went blank, blank. That's crazy. Yeah. All right, I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the tables. AntiUp is a production of AntiUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at AntiUpMagazine.com. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at AntiUpMagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.